This is the People's Podcast with Anthony Zambito and Lucy Chan. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I am your co-host, Anthony Zambito. Thank you for joining us on our newest episode of the People's Podcast. With me, as always, is our lovely co-host and super jealous for not being with me in Ottawa this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to Lucy Chan. What's up, everybody? Hey, I am jealous, but I will make it to the convoy. And trust me, I probably will have a lot more fun because I'm a cute Asian girl. And those and those truckers are probably, you know, are probably missing a fem- a lovely looking female face. Well, there's plenty of people down there. Morale is high. I'm sure you will add to it, regardless <laughs> of the reasoning. Uh, with us today, we have our, our guest. He is um, he's a local Bolton business owner, and he want he has a lot to share with everybody because there's a lot happening right now. In case you haven't noticed, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jason Figliano. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, the invite and excited to dive into some some stuff with you guys. We welcome you. This is the first time we've had a business owner on the podcast, which. It's really good and exciting to have this type of conversation because businesses have been the ones who, in many ways, been hit the hardest, particularly here in Ontario, which is obviously the province that we all three of us live in. And, you know, people really need to know uh, the suffering and the lunacy that is happening with these lockdowns and these mandates and these government restrictions, what it's actually doing to uh, really good, genuine, hardworking people like yourself, Jason. What, what's do, what it's doing to you, to your colleagues, to your your employees, and just to the community in general? Absolutely, and and I think it's important to understand. Like, so I own martial arts schools. I've got two of them. So I'm a business owner, but I'm a martial artist first. So all of my views on how I I approach things come from that degree of uh, that angle, I should say. Um, I've got a degree in psychology as well. So I, I kind of couple the martial arts and my degree, and then I'm a business owner second. So it's a different, a different perspective I tend to bring to the table when it comes to how I discuss things, how I talk about things, how I work things, especially in my academy. So actually, yeah, now that you bring that up, why don't you tell the people uh, yeah, about yourself, your businesses, and why you're here today? Yeah, so I, um, I, like I said, I own two martial arts schools. We teach, um, and the style doesn't matter at the end of the day, realistically. Um, not here to boast about my school or boast about what we teach because um, it, it's all about the attitudinal qualities that we teach. You know, modesty, courtesy, integrity, self-control, perseverance, those things there. And it doesn't matter if I'm teaching karate, jiu-jitsu, taekwondo. I can be teaching underwater basket weaving. If I, I can convey those lessons of modesty, courtesy, and integrity, it's a, it, it's it's the attitudinal part that is what our main focus in the martial arts is. Um, I've been doing this. I've been doing martial arts since I was about seven years old. I've been running classes since I was about fifteen. When I was twenty-one, I started running classes. When I was thirty, I opened up my own academy and then moved it into two locations. I do martial arts consulting as well, so I work with a lot of uh, different martial arts schools, helping them build their businesses and and build their brand. And um, I started to. to work with a lot of uh, other business, uh, other sectors of business as well in the consulting, because there's a lot that the martial arts framework, mentality and business structure can add to any other style of company, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a wellness studio, whether it's a stair company. 
True. Very nice. Honestly, I can tell, like I could speak to you and I could tell the audience I've actually been a studio or sorry, a student at uh, Mr. Jason's karate studio. And honestly, those words are printed all throughout the dojo. So I can vouch for him, I guess. <laughs> but so, yeah. And, uh, and like on, on, on my, my side of things, it's, um, uh, I mean, I've done, I've done mm -hmm. everything from karate tournaments, jiu-jitsu tournaments, a few amateur MMA fights, um, but at the end of the day, it's really about teaching people how to be the better, ver best version of themselves mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually as well. You know, a lot of people don't realize that spirituality ties in with martial arts. And it's not so much that we teach people about a specific, specific type of spirituality. It just makes you more connected to your own spirituality by being more mindful of yourself. Yeah, that's, uh, again, that's big, too, because, like, it brings in that perspective that, like, you know, there is a greater purpose to the world. And honestly, in order to conduct martial arts, you hear it all the time, you have to be clear of mind. So, yeah, a lot of the that intertwine, I see that intertwining in the martial arts field, but just all across the health and wellness industry, like, you know, there are yoga, yoga artists who practice the same thing in a different way. Uh, Absolutely. And part of it, like we were talking a little bit before we started uh, airing it was um, I'm trying like I'm trying to understand some of the hardest hit industries and i tend to st still think and correct me if i'm wrong anybody that the gym the fitness the, the wellness side of of the industry has probably been one of the most hardest hit areas because you're not going to do online programming it's very hard to be successful with that you know people at home for the first two weeks they love doing their workouts at home but after that the comforts of your own home they just kind of go away and so um, like restaurants, hard hit, they were still able to offer takeout, still able to, you know, so they, they were able to actually still somewhat survive. But I know on my personal side of things, I can name probably close to 60 or 70 martial arts facilities that closed their doors for good as a result of this, you know, and, and it's, it's really sad because these are people in the community that are leading the community for health, wellness, you know, they're teaching our kids not to be bullied and to stand up to bullies. They're teaching you know, parents, how to teach their, how to raise their children better, because sometimes uh, parents see the tools that we use on the floor and they use that in, in their own um, child rearing. So it's, it's really sad to see that it's, it's one of the biggest social things, uh, you know, letting your kids play and even letting adults play when adults come to do martial arts, they get to play. Um, it's a, it's a concept that's lost right now. You know, the social anxiety that we've seen in our students is crazy. The first day back, like I said, two years of lockdowns, we've been open for 15 weeks at a 50% capacity. The very first two weeks we were opened, I had kids walking in terrified to walk into the building because the only place they had been for almost eight months was their house or the martial arts school now. Mm -hmm. You know, and kids that, that couldn't respond to other kids saying hi. They, they, they couldn't talk to other kids. They, like the toll that this has done is going to be felt for the next generation, for sure. For decades. I just wanted to um, piggyback on what you were saying, Jason, about um, the toll that's that's this has done um, to society. Today, John Hopkins University has released a study on the effects of the lockdown on uh, preventing the spread of COVID. And it prevented the spread of COVID by 0. point two percent so literally less than one percent it it, pre, uh, it prevented the spread of covid 
And compared to that, to what has all happened, the the shutting down of businesses, the bankruptcy of businesses, the mental health of children, like I always say this, one in four teenage girls in America now have thoughts of suicide. One in four, one in four, one in five Canadian teenage girls have thoughts of suicide. 52% of self-mutilization in teens has gone up. It's gone up by 52% because um, since the lockdowns has started. Uh, <clears throat> what else has happened? Uh, complete decimations of certain industries. You were talking about how uh, the martial arts, gyms, and health and wellness have been one of the hardest effects. Well, I would also say the uh, performing arts, like theaters, uh, dance studios, dance classes, dance competitions, uh, singing competitions, things like that, choirs. Uh, uh, have been affected as well. Uh, and th- they were affected even before. They- it was a struggling industry. And it's not, it's, I personally think it's been decimated. I don't think that tr- it's going to take decades for, for the Canadian uh, performing arts scenes to, to come back. Uh, but uh, just to let you know that, you know, you are absolutely right. And now that this John Hopkins study has come out and said that it has basically done nothing these lockdowns have done nothing to slow the spread, to stop the spread or whatever that, you know, flatten the curve, you know, that fantastic phrase, done nothing, absolutely nothing. Let's piggyback off that. I mean, here's the, here's the worst part. A lot of clinical psychologists sat there after the first three months and raised alarm bells to this, but nobody wanted to listen to them and they were demonized. Mm-hmm. Now this article comes out and there's a lot of vindication and validation to those people that have said that we've been seeing i've been saying it after three months it was like okay guys like this is going to take a big toll but it's not sexy like in the sense if i sat there and and we said hey suicides are up by x amount percentage people are like that doesn't matter that's not what we're caring about we're caring about covid because that's all we're hearing right now and it's like well how do you how do you solve a problem by creating a bigger problem that that's a backwards mind of thinking, right? And a lot of people lack that compassion. I think and people lack IQ. Part. I think where the problem is people lack IQ. Well, they lack, they lack, here's the here's what they really lack. They lack the 30-second attention span. See, all social media is done between Instagram and TikTok is it has taken someone that used to sit there and watch a 60 minute. Remember 60 minutes? Yeah. That was our attention span. Then it was 27 minutes. And now it's 30 seconds on TikTok. You know, and we've seen it teaching kids. I mean, did teaching kids for 20 years now, over 20 years. And I've seen it where kids, I can do a 45 minute class and have their attention the entire time. And now it's like within a few minutes, their, their heads are already wandering. Their eyes are already going different places. They can't, they can't follow thought. And it's happening to adults too. Don't, don't kid yourself. Like I, I, I try and have meaningful conversations with people and I can tell if they've been on TikTok for way too long on Instagram for way too long. So the media has definitely, um, influence that as well with regards to like you look you look at what, what's the scrolling headline not cnn that we have here in canada cp24 yeah and it's like little 30 second clips of the news 30 set nothing is information so they lack the iq because they just they they're either lazy and they don't want to sit there for a full you know 30 40 minutes researching anything and that's the best part I, i've had arguments with people and i said okay here's a peer-reviewed journal and they're like I don't need to read this. It's like, then why are we even arguing? Why are you even talking to me? If I'm giving you stuff that's factual and you're not willing to even look at it, 
what, what's the point of this conversation? Yeah, I actually had to, unfortunately, I wouldn't say stop my friendship with somebody, but distance myself from a very close friend because last year she said, facts don't mean that much to me anymore. Facts are not, I don't really care that much about facts. I'm like, well, how can we ever have a conversation? Mm-hmm. How can we? Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, well, I still love you as a person, but and I want what's best for you. But I mean, how can we talk? I mean, about anything, whether it be not even about COVID. I talk about, you know, a figure skating competition or, a, a, you know, um, a, a Jeopardy match. Like, how, like what, how can I talk to you if you don't think that's something you don't facts don't matter. If I said to you, you know, yes, um, tomorrow it's they're predicting 89 percent. Uh, snow and she's like and she's just or uh, yesterday it snowed or yesterday was five degrees I'm like and she says no I don't believe in in something like that I'm like I well what's the point of having a dialogue with you and, and they lack that problem. compassion until it hits them in the face yeah. and, and you, you said a great stat about the suicide rates I can name probably a dozen people that have lost students as a result of suicide not one person's name has been in the paper yeah. You know, um, I can name my me, myself personally in the last two years, I've been on the phone with more students talking them off a ledge, so to speak, or talking to parents on how they're dealing with their kids because their kids are saying things that are, you never want to hear your kids say. And when I say kids, we're talking teens as well. You know, thoughts that teens are expressing that you never want to hear a teen say. And it breaks my heart. And I'm sitting here going, why is this not getting talked about? You know? Because until it hits somebody close to them, then all of a sudden, then it matters. Well, I think that's always, sorry to interrupt you, Jason. I think that's always been the case. And, you know, it's like, like, you know, people caring about cancer or lupus or something like that. Until somebody, they know a friend, a family member or a close colleague or something like that. Until they see it, until they get it and they suffer and they actually see the suffering that it doesn't affect them. Human beings, unfortunately, are incredibly self-absorbed and self-centered. And we think the universe revolves around us. Like nothing happens until we see it, you know, nothing really um, uh, pain and suffering or good things or whatever it is, doesn't, unless, you know, we experience it, you know, what's that classic phrase? Well, I never heard of it or I've never met them or I've, I'm like, well, how, why would you say that when the world, you think that means, do you think the world revolves around you? If you go, oh, I have never seen that. Well, who cares if you've never seen that? It still keeps on going. You know, it's, it's, it just shows how incredibly, unfortunately, self-absorbed uh, human beings are. I think uh, one of the, I wouldn't say good things about COVID, but it did um, strip the bandaid off of human nature. Yeah. And, and it made a lot of things. So I'll give you an example. Amazon right now. Amazon has set a bad precedent precedent with saying next day you get your, your, your stuff. And if you don't like it, you get an instant refund. People have taken that simplicity of of uh, consumerism and applied it now to everything else where I have parents coming in here thinking we're like an Amazon and they can treat us as such. And I have people that'll prime example, let's say your payment comes out for your, your lessons on a Monday. I have people calling on the Tuesday saying, I want to cancel my membership. And it's like, okay, cool. What about the payment yesterday? That was your commitment. Yesterday you were a student. If you're losing your commitment, you're losing your commitment, you know, and then it's a big, it's a big thing because you people used to be like, you know what, that was my fault. That's on me. 
you know, but now because I can click a button and have something here the next day and I can return it the next day with a refund without anything. And, and it's made people because we're working nothing but all these online, everything less. How, how many, how many, how many signs have you seen up? Uh, and uh, um, when you call like bell, let's say bell's a bad example, because I can't stand the company. Do they say harassment against our employees won't be tolerated? That's only been the last eight to twelve months. I've heard that on on those phone calls. Yep. We're seeing them in sign. We're seeing the signs in stores, and people are thinking, "Oh, it's because it's because of lockdown, or it's because of lost employees." No, it's not. It's because people are more ignorant now as a result of having too many things at their disposal too easily. Yep. And and you see it with kids when parents sit there and say, "Classic line of parents says, I want to give my kid everything I never had.'" No, you don't. It's the worst thing you can do for your kid. One hundred percent. Look how you turned out. You turned out amazing, didn't you? Absolutely, I turned out great. Yeah, because you didn't have everything. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you've got to feed your kid. You got to keep them clothed, bathed. There's certain things, but if you're going to sit there and throw everything at, plus the kitchen sink at your kid because you didn't have it, mm-hmm. you're going to have an ungrateful kid that doesn't know the value of hard work and dedication. And That's we see right. it all the time. Yeah, I see it all the time too. I see it in my colleagues. I my colleagues who are around my age. I'm an older millennial. If anybody wants, if anybody's wondering, but the younger millennials and particularly the Gen Zers, uh, it's it's completely night and day. You know, they expect something. You know, they expect you you them to be heard every single moment of the day. Like I want. It's my, it's my turn. It's, I want you to listen to my idea and say your idea is not that good. And somebody else's idea is better. And we pick the other idea. I'm like, well, can we, can I talk to you guys? Why I prefer, why, how come you guys chose that idea? Not my idea. And just so many things like you know, saying, um, uh, you know, I want something done or they want to, they, they don't want to go to, through the process of just regular, you know, uh, hierarchy. You know, they just want to go from one to 10 without going through two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, Yeah, it's been that's yeah, it's it's been a detriment. And it's going to think it's going to get worse in our society. Oh, absolutely. And and that's why I love martial arts, because it's a we all know what's what's the goal in everyone's martial arts. I say black belt, everything's martial arts. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the first thing that comes to mind. Everybody goes, oh, there's all these belts to get to martial arts. And um people now are like they think they can come in and just show up and they're going to get it and it's like it's, it's not how much time you put into it it's how much you put into your time if you come in here and you don't pay attention i've had listen i've had parents walk in and be like my kids got enough classes and enough time why didn't they have their next belt well ma'am if you sat down and watched them work in class you'd notice they don't give 100 percent effort yeah. and we're not about to reward that period mm-hmm. and I've, I've had people leave because of that and you know what that's completely fine at the end of the day no, no, those kids are the next generation that are going to sit there, like you said, Lucy, and, and go, I just want this. I want to skip all that. I don't need that. I'm, I, I'm entitled to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I paid my money. Where's my where's my trophy? Mm-hmm. Honestly, honestly, I can say there are some studios out there. There's some uh, teachers out there that would give the next belt because the parent complained for it because they're more interested in the money than actually teaching uh, that student, you know, uh, giving them a quality uh, education in the martial arts. So. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest things that drives me crazy is the, the saying the customer is always right. That's that's that was the worst mm-hmm. thing because it it brought customers that were just they use you and that's mm-hmm. it. And I'm sorry, abuse you too. Right. Not just use you, abuse you. Oh, absolutely. I'm the yeah. one that has been a martial artist all my life, and you're telling me that you're right. 
And now, obviously, there's certain circumstances. You know, you started class late. Absolutely, you're right. That, that was our, our fault. And we're quick to acknowledge our faults. As a martial artist, that's our code. And that's why I say, like, my business is, is martial arts, but I'm a martial artist first. And I apply that to life. And what you see going on right now with people is no one's quick to take responsibility for being wrong. Rather than listen to your point, Lucy, and say, oh, Lucy's got a better point than me. I better, let me look at this. They instantly cut you off and give you something else to rebuttal. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, we see that all the time in society. Um, and honestly, yeah, like we, we need to start having conversations in order to learn not to be right or not to win an argument. Honestly, that's the way it used to be. Um, Jason, if we could, like before we were talking about like some of the uh, difficulties that you faced, uh, you know, uh, operating your business, and some of the challenges you and your students have had, especially taking mental health. Have you or has anybody in the industry like lobbied the government to try to address these is issues? And how's that? Out? You know, it's 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 so tough with martial arts schools that we all try to band together. We started a martial arts owners association. Uh, in Ontario, and we tried to band together, but unfortunately, like every single industry, there's ego, there's pride, and there's different views on what's going on. Lately, most recently, what we've done is we've put this initiative together called the Declaration of Freedom, um, and it's specific to the fitness, health, wellness industry. So basically, it's a blanket. If you're a gym, a wellness studio, yoga studio, martial arts studio, whatever, and it's a declaration with a line in the sand saying we'll never shut down ever again, period. We will not close our doors. And it's, you know, I obviously I put my schools as the first names and about 20 schools right away signed on and said, yep, we're never closing again. And as more schools signed on, more schools signed on. Right now we're at about 85 schools. I want to say it's heavily martial arts, but now the yoga studios are starting to catch on to it. We've got a few of the Anytime Fitnesses franchises looking to jump on board as well. You know, my, a lot of a lot of these big box of gyms that didn't get the $50 million or whatever that whatever that gym has got are now a little bit upset because they've been struggling and they didn't get a handout, you know. And before before anybody, because this is a classic one, I've had people sit there and say, well, the government gave you $40,000. What do you care about? It's like, you know, I live my life so that I can make my own money. I would rather take that 40000 and give it back so I can run my business. You know? But also, people have to understand, when the government gives you back, gives you money, they're just giving you back your money. They're giving me my own money. I don't need yeah. my own money. I'll make my own money. Yeah. That, I mean, when people say, oh, the government's giving you um, a check, I'm like, you mean my money? You mean they're giving me back my money that I worked hard for? Like, I think there, there's a huge disconnect like that. People don't really understand that it's like, also some people don't understand how taxes work. They don't understand how the government actually makes money is actually, they don't actually make money. They actually just take it from us, um, the working class the or just the working people. And, and that's, that's a huge disconnect when they, when they, when somebody is so flippant and they just say, oh, the government gave you 50,000, the government gave you this or that like that. And like, you mean no they didn't give it it wasn't theirs it wasn't theirs at in the beginning well and, and lucy here's the funny thing as a business owner we're the free labor force the government uses because we're the ones that have to do the taxes we're the ones that have to do the numbers we're the ones that have to figure it out and then we're the ones that have to submit it they just have to collect it mm -hmm. so it's kind of like hey if you want these taxes 
you do the work. You know, show me where this money's going. But, you know, such is life right now. Um, but, yeah, that's the initiative that we looked into. And, uh, like I said, we've got 85 schools going strong. Um, my goal is to get about 250 facilities um, and try to get a couple of the newspapers to start looking at it. We've got a we've got a bunch of lawyers that are now really interested in helping out that have got connections in Queens Park because I want I want you know on this trucker convoy I want to piggyback on that and, and and all industries of businesses really should be coming together like this should be a multifaceted approach you know lock down Ottawa lock down these cities with these trucker with these convoys protests and then also have every business say like imagine if like. 90% of the restaurants sat there and signed a declaration saying we're never closing again. Yeah. You know? I think, I mean, same thing with not just, uh, not just uh, restaurants, all businesses, clothing shops, um, uh, even religious places, uh, like, you know, synagogues and churches, you know, like we had a pastor on here and we were he was talking to some very prominent businessmen here in Ontario. And the businessman said to him, you know, if all the churches just opened up, all this would be over. Mm-hmm. You know, if all honestly, if we all just opened up, the power is in the people. And, that, and that's what the convoy is, is teaching us is that, you know, if we all gathered and band together, we can stop this. They can't do anything. Cool. At the end of the day, they are. Um, they work for us. Absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And like, it's, it's amazing how much ignorance there is out there when it comes to what's going on with this, this trucker convoy. And uh, so I make it a point in my schools not to be political. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's a rule that I follow. It's never teach, never teach with the intention of politics or religion. Because we've always heard the saying, uh, never talk politics or religion, right? That also is a saying that I think needs to be thrown out the window. Because if me and you, Lucy, can't have a conversation of politics and religion because somebody gets emotionally charged and can't think rationally, that's a problem for you or me, that the one, whoever's getting emotionally charged. That means that realistically, I need to now look at how I'm dealing with other aspects of my life. I should be able to have a conversation with somebody about politics and not get heated. I should have, I don't care. I, and, I, and everybody uses passion passion that's my passion that's why i'm getting passionate about it no you're not you're getting ignorant about it you're getting emotional about it and you're giving me an emotional response that if you took a breath relaxed and read the facts you you might change your mind here's the thing though people don't care about facts people care about feelings that's one of the biggest problems of of our society is that people care more about their feelings than they care more about their facts I always tell people, I'm like, okay, so say you were a judge at, uh, at the Olympics and you were judging a figure skating competition and one, and one person, one figure skater landed all their jumps, triple axle, quadruple, triple style done, solid, a performance of a lifetime. Next chicky poo comes along, falls down on her ass twice. And then she cr- starts crying and she goes, but my intention, I felt that I gave the performance of my life. I felt, you know, I, and like, and, and so are you going to give her that the gold medal or are you going to get, and I'm like, it's so absurd. It's so absurd to go. I rather care about feelings than about facts. And, and also feelings are fleeting feelings. You know, you change, you change your feelings every single five seconds. Mm-hmm. So how can, you know, when something is so ephemeral as a, as a feeling, you know, um, how, how can you base 
policy? How can you base your philosophy, your your life view? How can how can you when it literally is it's a it's a fart in the wind many times? Yep. yep. Uh, and it all started with the participation trophies, right? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I and listen, we were bad for that too. We used to have tournaments. And we would group the kids up in their divisions in groups of four. So everybody would get a first, second, third, or fourth medal. And there were no losers, essentially, right? But in the last, I want to say, five years, six years, we flipped that mentality. Now we're telling parents, like, the best thing your child could do is enter a tournament and lose. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You will have the biggest learning curve, the biggest learning life lesson. You, you will have the biggest amount of growth right there. Obviously, mm-hmm. if they win, it's great. But we always say a win you remember, but a, a loss you learn. But as a child, it's up to the parent to make that child learn that loss. I think we have, a, we have a problem called carpet bombing or not even helicopter, not helicopter, literally where they take when the parent takes away all struggle and adversity to a child. Yep. yep. Listen, it used to remember how it says, remember the saying it used to take a village to raise a child. Now the saying is, uh, don't talk to my child like that. Don't, don't parent my child. You know, that's like, how many times when I came home from school, if my teacher, if I was in trouble at school, I was dead at home. I was in trouble. at home. Like my mom didn't even want to know what I got in trouble for. You know, now parents, teachers are afraid to reprimand students because of the backlash they're going to get from parents. And that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I was corrected all my life from strangers. I remember throwing garbage one time out of a moving car and a guy chased our car down and freaked out on us. I haven't thrown garbage out of my car since. But God forbid you do that now and you're instantly going to be on the phone being recorded. You're going to have, uh, you know, YouTube blowing up or, or TikTok blowing up. You might have the police even visit you, mm-hmm. you know. And I just want to like uh, remind the viewers, like you know, uh, or actually rather, I want to ask this question: Where do we draw the line on that? Because currently, in some states in the U.S., particularly in California, people are allowed to steal, and they will not get reprimanded for it. I believe it's like if you steal less than nine hundred bucks, you you end up just getting a slap on the wrist. Uh, you know, at what point in time, like you know, we need to discipline our, our ourselves, and because if we don't, it just leads to like the decay of society where laws like this can exist. And it just becomes well. I mean, I mean, look. I, I think we all agree. Everybody that I that I that I resonate with, politics is the first problem, right? You know, the political the, the idea of politics has lost its its focus, which was it's the voice of the people. You know, and now it's no longer that. So, if you say where do we draw the line? This is something that we have to now stop looking at other countries and other places and just look solely at our own country. And too many times I see people citing other countries and what other countries are doing. And those other countries are demographically, socially, very different than Canada or the U.S. So, for example, you give the, the, the idea in California where they're decriminalizing, I believe it's theft under $1,000. Yeah, San Francisco. You know, mm-hmm. and and there are people that back that up. There are people that yes. there and, and and they're like, it'll help with crime. Yeah, my manager actually. I have a I work for a very woke San Francisco com- San Francisco company. I'm not going to name it, but 
I actually, because she lives in San Francisco, she lives in the Oakland area. And I just said, well, you, she's like, crime is on the rise. I'm like, well, you guys did defund the police. And you got, I mean, you also did say stealing was okay. Like, you know, and she goes, oh, well, they need to, they need to, so they could, um, you know, so they could uh, eat and stuff like that. And she, and she says, you know, it's okay because businesses have insurance. The insurance will pay it. Now it's just, I honestly, I love my manager. She's wonderful in so many ways, but in this place, she is literally the IQ of a tampon. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing how blind people are, you know, can be when it comes to their own backyard or what's happening in their own backyard. And honestly, I feel like society, like society and people are just kind of like decaying in their behavior. And a huge reason for that is because they're not getting enough of the lessons that are taught in, you know, karate studios such as yours ballet classes yeah ballet hardcore ballet were, dance yeah yeah and a lot of those though were taught in school like a lot of like i remember teachers telling us how to be polite i remember mm -hmm. teachers telling us how to have i remember these things mm -hmm. but now they're teaching stuff that they sh kids shouldn't be learning until they're you know 18 19 you know you can't justify saying that a kid can't vote until they're they're 18 but you're going to teach them stuff that will ruin them the rest of their life at 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you can't have it both ways. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a slippery that's an, that's an interesting way of looking at it, but yeah, like, um, you know, I kind of respect that. I just, I love, you know, it's easy for me to look back in hindsight, but um, you know, I feel like these qualities that you're talking about, yeah, they're qualities that we we're instilled like as children or that we wanted to be instilled upon. And, you know, people are forgetting it now as an adult and just kind of relating it back to what you were saying on social media. Maybe it's because they don't have the attention span that they, that they used to have. And maybe they're not, because they don't have that attention span. They're not remembering the facts and relying on their feelings. Like Lucy was talking about, Oh, I just brought this whole conversation into a circle. <laughs> But, uh, that's, why we, that's why he gets paid the big bucks audience oh yeah 100 percent. You know, a, a staggering a sta another number that's rising and, and i think it's a you can draw a correlation between um how kids are getting raised now is the number of daycares and nannies that are needed for children before they go to school mm -hmm. that number skyrocketed and you know re regardless of your political your ideology regardless of your sexual preferences I'm a firm believer that one person in the household should be earning and the other person should be growing the family until they're, they go to school, obviously. Then when they go to school, it's a little different, but the first, what, three to five years, a kid's not really in school. They're in mm -hmm. junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten. And what is that kid being exposed to? They used to get exposed to either the mother or the stay-at-home father, whoever's staying at home. And that person was instilling the values that their parents instilled on them for the first mm -hmm. five years of their life, you know? And don't give me that that garbage of oh they're only three years old what can they possibly learn? Listen, I can sh I I can I've seen it from three to five the change in kids and how it carries them now to their twenties, um, and and I think that's you know you want to draw the line Anthony I think I think one of the things is to start really focusing on telling parents hey like one parent's got to parent the child and be there and teach the child, not a daycare not a nanny not a babysitter, you know a lot of cultures. The grandparents are the ones that raise. I love that idea personally. Yeah, that's me. I was raised by my grandma. Like I she love was hardcore. She was a battle axe. But Absolutely. I, yeah. 
and that, that's so huge like they, they pass on so much wisdom and again we live in a society where you know uh, a lot of seniors are in a retirement home and they don't have that uh, connection with their grandkids that you know used to be enjoyed in the past mm-hmm. yeah but we also live in a society where um older generations or things of the past are looked down upon that oh that's old you know that's oh what do you know like like it's always about what's new what's hot what's progressive what's the latest mm-hmm. you know what's the latest parenting technique what's the latest um psych um uh study that came out on this like what's what's the new trend on you know when it comes to uh right. teenagers and stuff like that it's not about going back and seeing what has worked for literally mm-hmm. millennia and to kind of relate that to covid there are situations where i hear of you know Mothers will brag on Facebook when they quarantine their kid for two weeks, because right now that's the trendy thing to do. And they're not even thinking twice about it. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of, we've definitely strayed away from things as a society. Sorry, Jason, you were saying. Uh, no, no, I was, just, I, I was agreeing and just um, I was laughing at, at the two week. It's amazing. You know, and that brings us into the social media side of things. It's amazing what people will say and do online that they would never in their life say or do in front of someone's face or in front of someone like never. And I've seen it even with people tweeting out stuff about my locations that was negative. And I've called them to say, hey, let's talk. And they say, I don't want to talk. And it's sad because if they're not willing to talk, and there should be some magical force that removes that tweet about me. Yeah. Because then all you're doing is spewing garbage to people that think you're educated because you have letters at the end of your name, let's say, or because you're more liked on the PTA council, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem for me. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I think this is going to sound, this might sound weird, but I've also, I also, I've often thought like, do we need a policing for what's said online? Not, to stifle free speech, but to enhance it, that if you decide, Anthony, to say something about me that's negative, someone steps in and goes, okay, now, Anthony, back that up. Do you have the proof? If you do, perfect. Continue on. And I know people want to sit there and say, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just online. It's, it, and, I, and I'll say, yeah, okay, you know what? It's not a big deal to people that are north of 40, maybe north of 30. But that under 30 category right now, that under 20 category, that stuff is gold what they see online. Mm-hmm. That, that's the rule of law. That, that's, that's the Bible to them right now. Mm-hmm. That guy talking mad crap about this other guy, I can do that. And what's going to happen is eventually when they come back to going out in public, they're going to think they can take the mentality they had on social media and on the internet, and they can go use it on somebody. And all of a sudden, they get put in, in a really bad spot. Yep. And I and and and, and I have I'm surprised we haven't seen a level of violence between people yet, but it's going to be coming soon. When it's the social, it's going to happen. It's going to mm-hmm. happen when things are opened up after two years of lockdown, mm-hmm. when people are out in public, and people think they can talk to people the way they talk to each other on social media. And the one guy sits there and goes, well, you know what? My response is not going to be a tweet. My response is I'm going to hit you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or I'm going to do something bad. Yeah. And sadly, the onus is put on the person that used physical violence. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you about your industry. Do you think your industry 
if you know if and when i truly believe these lockdowns will be lifted i think i hopefully i truly believe the convoy is going to work enough and if there's going to be convoys all around the world i think it's it um these mandates and these lockdowns will be lifted will your industry survive will your industry thrive afterwards i mean uh, so, I mean, it's, you guys have had several punches to the gut and to the face. I'll give you a great example. My best months were November and December because of how many people realized they needed this. We had overwhelming, amazing response. We had a waiting list of people to sign up. However, I will say that the most recent lockdown that just happened, if the fitness industry as a whole doesn't try and recoup as much as they can as soon as spring hits you're going to see a lot of these gyms closing down wow as soon as it gets nice out and i and i and i don't know which business institute put it out put out the study it came out on tuesday i think and um and they just said come springtime is when we're going to see the biggest loss of business that no. are that is that is health and fitness related you know i have to say something you know how dare the government or anybody reduce human health to just getting not trying to get one virus the human health encompasses so much more than just not getting a freaking cold or a freaking flu because that's what basically COVID is it's got rebranded it got some really sexy marketing it got some really sexy you know um uh, uh um uh, copy and all that jazz how is that going to affect you guys like i mean because people's cycle um, psyche about health has completely been warped in these past two years and to only truly believe that Honestly. you just can't get sick like you just can't get physically sick and even even cancer like i was telling a stat to a friend of mine so I put that in quotations friend um you know that cancer screenings are down and cancer surgeries have been delayed and i said to her i i don't know if you know this this statistic but when you get cancer and you don't get treatment, you die 100%. You're gone to kaputs. Yeah. COVID has a 99.87% chance survival rate if you're 65 and under. Mm -hmm. And that didn't register. That literally did not register in her mind at all. And how, since you're in the health and wellness industry, how are you guys going to be, do you guys think you'll be able to somehow twist it back to normal or somewhat, uh, 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 somewhat normal? I, I'll speak for myself and what I've seen coming in my door. The people signing up at my facility, there's such a divide right now between people. There, there's a crater between people. The people that think the way that health is wearing a mask all the time, not going to events, staying six feet away for the rest of my life, washing my hands a million times, those people there will never step foot in, in my facility. They won't. They, it'll freak them out too much. What I will say is the students that I've gotten are the ones that understand. They, they look at things with critical thinking and they're not afraid. That's the big one is they're just they're not afraid. You know, um, and, and we say how dare the, the government says, um, you know, about our health. And you just got to look at the Canadian website. Right on the Canadian website, it says that Canadians don't get enough vitamin D and that it's important to supplement. Yet when we ask our health minister, a uh, reporter asked the health minister, should Canadians be supplementing with vitamin D? She point blank says, 
no, they get, we get enough. It's like, yeah. come on, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to now take my advice from you. Yeah. I'm going to take advice from these doctors that get on stage and you can tell they love being in the limelight. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah, can't sit there and tell me. It, is, it is the yeah. revenge of the ugly nerds. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yep. It is like, you know, like these are, these are the losers in high school and university that, you know, no, that never got a date was always at the back of the class. Nobody ever picked them to be part of their soccer team or whatever it is. They, they, you know, they were, they, they got the, the worst part in the school play and, you know, and, and they have a chip on their shoulder and now they finally have the spotlight. They finally tasted a little bit of power. They finally got a little bit of a shine, you know, as the cool kids say, they got some shine on them and it has there and they don't want to let it go. And they'll say anything to keep it. I'm, uh, I completely agree with you. And when you said that, it, I'm trying to find a quote right now. And if I can find it, and I'm not going to say the person's name because as soon as you say the person's name, people instantly discredit it. But the quote basically goes along the line of, if you think powerful people are scary and dangerous in power, wait till you'll see what the weak ones can do. Oh, yes. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Well, wait till you see what the weak people can do. And it, it, it's a great, it was a great quote because I'm sitting there going, oh my God, to get yourself to a poli- leading a political party, there's got to be power and influence there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I take the people that couldn't make it to that height, let's say, even if we say, listen, we're going to get a science table of the top doctors that were never in the limelight and we're going to give them all this power and responsibility, you know, that's a problem now. That's a big problem to me. And that quote just resonated with me. Honestly, I can say after being in Ottawa, seeing what I've experienced and and seeing the fallout now with the convoys that are making their way across the United States, across Europe, across Canada still. um, Honestly, I can say there is truth to what you just said, because, you know, right now it feels like the government is nervous and maybe not the government as a whole, but certain politicians are feeling the pressure we saw in Quebec. They are no longer... Uh, they're no longer going to go through with uh, the unvaccinated tax that they wanted to introduce in Saskatchewan. They're going to reveal everything. That was disgusting. That, yeah. that was that there was like, I'm thinking, is this North Korea? Like, mm-hmm. is, is this King jo- Kim Jong-un seeking right now? Like, what? Yeah. who are you to sit there mm-hmm. and say those words? Who's also <laughs> rather rotund as well. Like, he is not in the greatest of shape. Well said. And this is the person who is leading the province to get out of a viral pandemic. Listen, like I, like I said, like I'm not, I, I don't call out politicians specifically. I, I just say I would rather, I would much rather see uh, politicians doing jumping jacks and pushups than trying to shovel snow out of people's driveways. Like I would much rather see video clips of our politicians working out, being fit, you know, um, doing those things year round to promote it. I, th- that actually shocks me. Like why not one politician sat there and said, Hey guys, like I'm going to sponsor to have this fitness person do freeze fitness classes on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like at no point did I hear or see that at no point did I hear a politician say, you know, and they're saying everybody get out and go for a walk. Come on. Like, be smart here. You've got a list of COVID things that we need to do. Isolate this, that, wash this, do this, do that. 
where's my list of stuff to make me healthy? Yep. Well said. Where's my list of vitamins and minerals I should take? Where's my list of daily water consumption I should have? Where's my list of how much activity I should have? Yep. What mm -hmm. about uh, subsidizing, gym, uh, subsidizing gym memberships to make sure everyone can stay in shape? Or, you know, why are we continuing vitamins. to lock down ice rinks? Why do we yeah. continue to lock down basketball courts? Like, it's just, none of this is designed to, to make you healthy. This yeah. is all designed right. to, like, basically isolate you from everybody yeah. uh, and suffer. Like, they also shut down. They also shut down conservation areas and, and places where you can go hike. Like, remember in the first lockdown? they shut down many places where you can go hiking to go outside and i'm an avid hiker my husband and i and we still went we didn't care but you know many conservation areas shut down so the i mean just which is absolutely ridiculous i mean you can't parts of the bruce trail was here in ontario were shut down yeah it it was just ridiculous now here's my thing i will give leeway to the first three to six three to four months of this pandemic the, the video footage we were seeing coming out of China, the things we were hearing, like people were preparing for the, preparing for the end of days at this point. That's right. But once we started really seeing what was going on, and I mean really seeing, the media is the biggest perpetrator of what of the rest of it. The media is the enemy of the people. And, and this is where I say I wish I wish we had. A, a far right swinging media that was popular, like Fox News, let's say. Yeah. I wish people would watch both CNN and Fox and come to their own damn conclusion. Because mm -hmm. if you're watching one too much, it's going to cloud you. And if you're watching the other too much, it's going to cloud you. Yeah. yeah. Always need to diversify where you're getting your media from. Um, Jason, let me ask you this as well. Like, you know, media, enemy of the people um totally true and it's totally true with sporting events now me being a Toronto Maple Leaf fan it's so disheartening to see my team play in an empty stadium when you have Tampa Bay and Carolina and the Florida Panthers selling out nightly and or even watching MMA fights MMA fights have been happening this whole time and uh they're packing out arenas they're packing out uh you know the MGM Grand like why does the sign say that you know MMA can do it but not the NHL not the Leafs well, I mean, if you've ever watched a UFC fight in Ontario, um, you'll notice that a lot of those events, all those, all the UFC events in Ontario are also, they're done in cooperation with the Ontario government, which means whatever kickback is being got, given is big. You know, and to sit there and say that the government has, we, our, 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 our own prime minister is on record for saying they paid off the, 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 the media. And he said it as a joke. You yep. know, what a slap to the face in so many Canadians. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think politics, I'll give you a great example. Um, uh, middle of last year, end of last year, when we were going through the, the, the fifth lockdown, fourth lockdown, whatever, a bunch of the martial arts schools found out that a bunch of gymnastic or, or dance studios were still allowed to be open. Mm -hmm. And we did some digging. Why are these specific dance studios allowed to be open? Turns out MPPs had their daughters in it. Wow. I thought that was interesting. Rules for thee and not for me. You know, Patrick Brown being able to go play hockey with his buddies at a rink that's supposed to be close to the public. That's right. Yep, that happened. Okay. And then I had somebody try and justify it with that specific case by saying, 
well, he's got a lot on his plate. He needs to have an outlet somewhere. I said, you know what? Until he loses money and he's living with $2,000 a month like everybody else, he has nothing on his plate. I don't care who you are. You know, you went into politics to serve the people, serve the goddamn people, and serve them properly. I hate when I hear people go into a field and then complain about their field. You went into that field. What did you think was going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yep, I that. once had a pastor who um, uh, didn't want to talk about theology and, and answer people's Bible questions. And I'm like, he goes, only for new Christians. If, if you're an older Christian, I don't really, I, I don't want to answer. I'm like, then why the hell are you a pastor? I've, and I said that to people and other people defended him. I'm like, oh, he's tired. I'm like, I don't care. He's tired. That's his job. That's what he's getting paid for. I'm like, if he didn't want to do this, then why did he get into it? He can go do something else. That's why I have no sympathy for Trudeau right now. Uh, you know, oh. don't get me wrong. He's got COVID and we wish him a speedy recovery on this podcast. Anthony, does he have COVID? We wish him a speedy recovery on this podcast. Um, so this way he can answer to the people. Uh, but yeah, I have no sympathy for him because, yeah, he's the one who signed up. And let me tell you, it is hard to get signed up to be a politician. It's not easy. He did all the paperwork. He wants to be there. And this is the consequences of the policies you've been putting forward. Well, whether or not he's our legitimate prime minister after the news <laughs> that came out, I, I assume you guys all the news that came out yesterday from the CRA. Mail-in ballots? Or not CRA, from the Elections Canada. My goodness, I was a candidate in the election. I don't know this. Jason, why don't you break that to me? Uh, some like 205,000 uh, ballots were either not counted, miscounted, um, or deemed, or came in too late. They found piles of ballots uh outside a door of an election station that just never got brought inside so they, they skipped the deadline of the date oh, and now they're saying that certain I, I can't remember what the headline is i can pull it up my phone but now they're saying that certain areas it may have swung the election in that area it may have yeah. swung the vote mm-hmm. it was two hundred five thousand ballots not counted more than two hundred thousand mail-in ballots sent to voters in the last federal election were not counted Elections Canada disclosed yesterday the number of ballot kits that were late, canceled, or marked as lost in the mail was a greater than the margin of victory. My goodness. So you guys are hearing it first. I am officially the MP of Dufferin Caledon. Thanks for breaking the news, Jason. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, because, oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but imagine if every news station decided to carry that. That is new. I didn't even know about that because so many news stories have been flying left, right, and center. I was busy paying attention to what's going on in the Conservative Party with uh, Aaron O'Toole uh, being forced to step down today. That I had no idea that article came out. Isn't it funny how when it rains, it pours? For mm-hmm. sure. And then sometimes you have to figure out why are they doing this and what are they trying to to show? It's the magician's trick, right? Look mm-hmm. over here so you don't see what's going on over here. Yeah, distraction. Right. And how much of that's going on? It's like, what's the distraction with the trucker pr- protest right now? The what? The the not the one Nazi flag and the mm-hmm. one or the two Confederate flags and the deep the so-called defacing of the Terry Fox statue where they put a flag on him and a hat. And it's so, like, okay, continue, ooh, continue. And and it just blows my mind because it's like, okay, so we're gonna discredit an entire movement 
because of three assholes and that's it? The prime minister is trying to discredit a movement by calling it racist when he wore blackface three times. And yesterday, his cabinet, when a conservative minister um, tried to pass a motion to condemn blackface, the liberals blocked it. His his liberals, his party um, blocked blackface, um, condemning blackface. And yet they are the people that are calling this is racism and stuff like that when they are actual the actual racists. Let's not let, let, let's also like let's not kid here. The NDP are just as bad. NDP said that they struck that motion down also. And then mm-hmm. Jagmeet Singh nine hours ago posts they want to do a demand on the ban of hate symbols in Canada. I'd love someone to ask Jagmeet Singh, is blackface a hate symbol? If it is, why did you not why did you strike down the motion that the conservatives put forward? yesterday great point great point mm-hmm. um honestly that is a question worth asking i will tweet it to jagmeet singh tonight hopefully we can get an answer from him because that is awesome now, why yesterday was it not okay and not fair now it's okay that to, that makes no sense you're trying to save face because you know you did a stupid thing there uh, and honestly like let me just say for the record i saw the terry fox statue it's fine the war monument you know i'm not happy that truckers are parked there but the amount of people giving flowers and polishing it and praying to it. Like, why aren't those thousands of people uh, being reported? And 99% of the flags I saw were either Canadian flags, Quebec flags, or F Trudeau flags. So I don't know who saw this Nazi flag and took the photo, but he was very I, well positioned. The Nazi flag was put in reference to how, can, like, you know, some people say that Canada is becoming like, you know, Nazi Germany. Everyone's got their their opinions, and I'm I'm neither here nor there for for any of that stuff. It's it's mm-hmm. that's what it was meant for. And that yeah. person came out fully to the group and apologized. Mm-hmm. You know, the one with the Confederate flag, though he was he was followed completely, face mask covered, everything. He was followed out, yeah. and it, it didn't he was make, there to make trouble. Yeah, yeah, I think 100%. so too. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. But like you said, they cleaned up the monuments. They 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 did all that. They did it just like Black Lives Matter did, right? Oh, no, yeah. they, they didn't do that. Yeah, let's just talk about the um, toppling down of Sir John A. McDonald. That's just, and also... Um, uh, uh, didn't they uh, topple Ryerson, the Ryerson statue? The, the Ryerson building uh, as yeah. well here in Toronto, literally throwing paint, chopping his head off. I mean, I mean, the utter hypocrisy, the rank hypocrisy that is happening right now in our face is, is, a, is stunning. These are kids throwing temper tantrums. That's what yeah. this is. And now the truckers and the, the real Canadians that are for freedom are saying, you want to see a temper tantrum? Here's the biggest one you're ever going to see. And oh, that's yeah. what that's what everyone's going through right now. And I feel, do I feel bad for the citizens of Ottawa that can't apparently can't sleep because of the Absolutely. I also ask those citizens how much money they've lost and how many paychecks they're living paycheck to paycheck and what they've, you know, because if you're living downtown Ottawa, I guarantee you, you haven't lost a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yep. The government, all they can do is shame us and blame us. You know, they, they will call us racist every day of the week uh, and still continue to wear blackface. And then they'll blame us for all the problems that are happening with society, i.e. the lockdowns. Um, honestly, I like, let me tell you, being at Ottawa, there were a lot of Ottawa residents that were looking down from their apartment buildings, a lot of them on their phone, they're calling the city. They are not happy. And yes, I do feel bad for the Ottawa residents who've been struggling, same as us. But I don't feel bad for government administrators who now have to deal with this because it's like the tables have turned. Yep. 
tried to, you know, they, they were intruding into our lives without our permission. And now the role is reversed. Those trucks are loud and they are going all day, all night with the horns blaring. and they hear it all the time. Here's and, the worst part. Here's the worst part. You, you said calling us racist, you know, the value of a word is very important. Mm -hmm. You know, you called someone stupid 50 years ago. That was a big insult. You know, you called someone a racist 10 years ago. That was a massive insult. Like you didn't want to be called that on any level. Yeah, It was scary to be called that. Yeah. Now people don't care because it's being thrown around for no, for any reason. Mm -hmm. You like green. I like blue M&Ms. You're a racist. Now we have no value to the word anymore. Mm -hmm. you know, no one takes that. I'm sorry, but I don't take that word seriously anymore. Someone wants to yeah. call me that. It's like, yeah, you're just an ignorant person that doesn't like to listen or have a conversation. Or doesn't have any history or any context. Then the time, the amount of times, you know, people have said the word Nazi and called somebody a Nazi. I'm like, I just, I'm like, do you even know what a Nazi is? Like, literally, do you know? that they um, got, they literally burned in ovens 6 million Jews. Like, do you know what, they're just like, you're a Nazi or you're a fascist. I'm like, do you know what a fascist is? Like, do you really think that, I mean, do you actually understand the context and the historical weight that, that, that word carries? Because it's literally, it's just flippant. It's just like this. I just, I, they throw it or, or um, the, those words around like it's gar candy wrappers. And here's the funny like, part. Yeah. Both sides are saying it to each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that, you are that's, that, right about that. I will say that's what yep. blows my mind. Yeah, you're right Both about Both sides that. are calling at each other. Yeah. I'm saying, and when I hear that, I'm like, both of you sides right now are ignorant. Yeah. Both yeah. of you guys need to pick up a history book. It, I used to get really frustrated when people would call me that, especially throughout the election, you know, white supremacist, Nazi, and all that. Because I don't think they take into account that my family actually suffered under Nazi rule. You know, they occupied, they, you know, they occupied Sicily. They, they occupied Italy for a long portion of it. And it was the allies that freed them. The allies are good guides to them. And that's why I'm here not living in Berlin. Um, now I'm just at the point, like you said, Jason, you just, I just laugh it off. I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, sticks and stones break bones. But words, they cannot hurt. And if you are strong of body and mind, they won't hurt. And I just can't help but laugh anymore. Words can't hurt, but sticks and stones will help people correct their words real fast. <laughs> that too. I, I That's one of the biggest problems, I think, in our society is that parents haven't smacked their kids enough. And you <laughs> see the, you see. That is the own podcast where I can go. I've done research to that extensively. I, 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 look, I grew up old school Asian. Parents beat their kids. Okay. Um, I'm gonna now, Lucy, here's the thing, though. When you say parents beat their kids in a person's head, they think child abuse. Yeah. They don't think what we actually mean when I say my Discipline. mom beat me as a kid. The, like the five, six times that my mom hit me, first of all, I deserved all five, six times. And secondly, there was a slap on the hand or a slap in the ass. You know, it wasn't sitting here beating the crap out of me and putting me in, high, in, in the hospital. Come on, guys. Yeah. Smarten up when we say these words. Yeah, it was it was discipline. It was you know when we did something wrong and so, or something like that. We you know I had the the skinny bamboo stick with the feathers to all the Chinese people out there, all the Asians. They know exactly what stick I'm talking about. They all had it in their house. 
but you know, other people had belts and got whipped, you know, on the on their on their high knees growing up. I mean, it's you know, it was it's generally usually old school parents from you know <laughs> from immigrant families. But yeah, no, I think one of the biggest problems in our society is that parents don't discipline their children, whether it be spanking or through hardcore punishment, like taking away stuff, you know, oh, or just even just saying bad words, like saying that was a bad thing you did. You don't get, you know, that was really dumb. That was like, I mean, you, you saying those things is now considered child abuse. It's, it's crazy. And, and we don't understand. Um, so like a friend of mine is in a Walmart a couple of years ago and decides that his son goes, I want to get this costume. It was a princess costume. It's Walmart in Brampton. And he goes, no son, that's a girl's costume. And they had an argument in the middle of the aisle about it. Okay. The kid was yelling, wanted this one costume. He goes, no, that's a girl's costume. Let's get you a boy's costume. Uh, an onlooker decided that that was considered child abuse and called the police who have to respond by law. And my friend is walking out of his, of the Walmart being approached by uh, two police officers. And I believe a social worker trying to separate him from his kids so they can get to the bottom of it. Unbelievable. I, I, now I'm not a parent. And, and, and a lot of people will argue with me and say, you know, you're not a parent. You don't know what it's like. And I, and I say, well, no, that's not true. See, here's the thing. If you're a parent, Lucy, are you a parent? No, I'm not a parent. I do have a niece that okay. I'm very hardcore with. If you're a parent, you have data from one, one area, and that's your kids only. You only know how to parent your kid. You only know what your kid does. Having done martial arts since I was 16 and teaching kids and different family <laughs> structures, divorced, um, by you name it. I have a data set that's massive. I have seen firsthand how it affects kids from five to 15 to 25. I've seen how it affects staff. And so it blows my mind that, so anyways, the, the police show up and it was almost a standoff. Like, he's like, how dare you try and take my kids away? Rightfully so. If, yeah. if these were my kids, there'd be an all out war. You're trying to separate me from my kids. I'm sorry. That's, that's not happening. Yeah. You know, and speaking to Lucy's point earlier about um, kids getting away with stuff. If a kid says, if, I'll give an example. When someone does something wrong in our school, we make the kid apologize. When a kid apologizes to an adult, do you know what the number one response is? That's okay. Don't do it again. What's the first words the kid heard? That's okay. They didn't hear you were wrong. They didn't. He they they heard that's okay. Don't do it again. Is inconsequential now. It has no weight because that's okay. And these are the parenting tips I try and really teach my parents. If a kid does something wrong, they apologize. Say accept your apology. Thank you for apologizing. Don't do it again. Oh really? That's what you do? Because I'm 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 rougher. I'm like I'm like okay. So you apologize. I just want to let you know it really hurt me. It physically hurt that person. What you did, how you disobeyed. I go through everything that they did and make them feel bad. And then I say, I forgive you. Don't do it again. I I lay it on thick. Yeah, we won't even go to the forgive. Like my staff will not go on the forgiveness point. Oh really? I say for I forgive you because like you have to. We still have to respect that we're not the parent. Okay. But. I do. I love your, if I had kids, I'd probably have that approach also, you know, 
Well, yeah, it also used. has. It, it's a case by case basis, right? If I'm looking in the eyes of a kid and he's about to tear up, apologizing, I don't need to lay into him anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one nice thing about having so many staff is sometimes I walk on the floor and I can see the one kid that's you know, purposely being a nuisance and I give him one look and I can see him, he's about to cry because he saw that I caught him. I don't even need to reprimand him anymore. He just knows he got caught. And at the end of class, I have a conversation with him and everything's great, you know. But regardless of how the parenting style is, Lucy, we still address the situation. We didn't didn't make it less valuable in the sense what you did was wrong, but it's okay still, you know. I just want to give you guys a heads up, um, an update. Uh, I know that this uh, is, it, we don't usually do this, but I just looked at a tweet and it says that uh, Jason Kinney is looking to lift all restrictions in Alberta, uh, mandates, wow. passports, and it's because of the um, trucker convoy at the border. It looks like that's what's um, pushing him and also probably yeah. the, the uh, convoy in, uh, in, in Ottawa as well. But it looks like, the, yeah, vac- breaking va- Alberta's vaccine passport program may be lifted likely within days as signs show Kenny's preparing to cave to the uh, uh, convoy uh, blocker, blockade. You want to know who I want to thank for that? The, the RCMP. Yes, that's right. People um, are so against police right now, not understanding that, listen, it could get a lot worse. If this was Australia and you saw what the police were doing there, yeah. the RC, like, believe me when I say, I work, I work very closely with a lot of law enforcement agencies. Um, 90% of those police out there don't want to be doing any of the stuff they're having to do. Mm-hmm. Those RCMP officers, they've been really good. They're, they're playing the game properly. You know, They're saying what they have to say so that they can keep their jobs, but they're not going in there dragging people out. They're not gassing people and, and, and arresting them. They're not towing trucks, you know? You know what? It's been a really good sight to see. Um, honestly, I could say, like, just as a political candidate, every officer that I've spoken to since the election has either kind of, you know, given me a, uh, some support or, um, you know, just basically said that, you know, we appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, I, I, I say that because it makes me think the exact same thing that you're saying. Uh, in addition to that, too, I noticed in Ottawa, don't get me wrong, there is a strong police presence, like, you know, they're there. But I've yet to see anything to make me quirm or, you know, to kind of make me squirm. I've yet to see anything from the police, um, you know, that, to get me nervous or anything like that. I didn't feel unsafe at all, not from the, the truckers, neither from the police officers. And the reason why I'm, I'm, you know, really happy with the RCMPs, because, yeah, I saw the same videos that you likely did where, they told the truckers that they had to move their trucks, otherwise people were going to get arrested and towed. And the fact that Kenny was actually able to negotiate with the truckers and they're able to reduce mandates and everything, like, I'm just, I'm so happy to hear that. And again, it makes me think that the trucker convoy is working and it's having an impact. Well, let's see what happens on Saturday when the Toronto one goes downtown. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, actually, Jason, you know what, this is a huge uh, or a great segue uh, why don't you wrap up what uh, the declaration you're working on is and why don't you tell people or why don't you inform how do, I can't speak English. Why don't you inform people ways if they want to uh, join your declaration? How can they do that? Yeah, I mean, the, the idea, I mean, you're allowed to sign it. It says it says right on the change.org, which, again, 
It's not the focus. The focus is the declaration. Mm-hmm. Um, you just on change.org. It says contact this email address. If you're a gym owner or a fitness facility owner, and you want to add your name to that declaration and then we'll just add it, you know, I'll get the email, I'll add it and that's it. And it's just, we've drawn our line in the sand. We're not shutting down ever again. We're not, we will keep the same health measures we've always kept. And that was a big thing for us in the martial arts. Martial, like my, my, my school is clean. And, mm-hmm. and when we had to give the government our, our cleaning like requirements, I didn't have to create it. I just gave them our regular cleaning requirements. And again, I can honestly vouch for that. I remember seeing sanitizer everywhere and everything gets wiped down afterwards. Like it's, um, I, I don't doubt that for a second. Like at no point did I think, even before or after COVID, I, I don't think I'm getting sick in your studio. I think there's other health benefits I got to worry about. Hopefully I don't break. Like, yeah. but, uh, definitely not COVID. Yeah, change, change.org. I mean, if they, if they can just, they can easily just search my name. Uh, it's on the podcast, probably in the title. Um, and, uh, and if you are a gym owner or you know a gym owner, you know, talk to them and see if they're willing to put their name, draw their line. Like, here's the deal. The more we get, the better. You know, at the end of the day, the trucker convoy started with, what was it? 250 trucks or something mm-hmm. like that. And now you've got a hundred thousand or something like, like, come on. Like we yep. just, we all need to, this is the time to gain momentum. And yep. I'm talking, this is specifically for the gym owners right now. Now's the time to draw your line in the sand because you're open. Yes. You don't have to worry about this being like a hit list for people to come after you now because you're open. <clears throat> I can understand if we were doing this when everything was locked down, a lot of people would be nervous saying, oh, all we're doing is putting a target on our back for the police and for bylaw. Granted, but you're open now. Now's the time to take what the truckers are doing, what the protests are doing, and ride that momentum and the industries have all got to cut. I'd love the fitness, the, the restaurant industry to do the same. I'd love it. Mm-hmm. Any restaurant owners that are listening to this, start it up. You know, yep. they can only shame and blame for so much longer. Eventually, yeah, like people, the United Not Compliance, I see that as being our best tickets to getting out of this mess. Um, not sure what your thoughts are on all that, Lucy. I completely agree. I just also have one question for Jason. When it comes to the gyms, what about dance studios? All of them. Anything that has to do with the arts, martial arts. Gym, the gym is an art. Like, if you're a CrossFit person, it's an art to do what you do. When you go to the gym and you work out, it's an art. You do your own. Nobody works out the same as the next person, the person next mm-hmm. to them. We're built differently. Yeah, because you know? I'm a, I, I, I used to dance. So I'm just like, because for me, like going to the gym, yeah, that's, I'll do it. But I've, I've done martial arts. It's not for me. I'm like, but dan- I'm like, I've, I was born, I, I've been dancing since, you know, 13, 12 years old, you know. I've hit up a few dance schools. I find that they're, they're having a tougher time jumping on board. Yeah, they're mostly run by women. I'm going to be honest with you. Listen, I, I came from a single parent household. I was raised by the strongest woman I know. Again, I think it's I think it's strong humans is its own category. I, I don't. Like another podcast episode. I would love to talk. I would love to talk about <clears throat> what has happened in our society, all of society, what all of Western society, and the the link between that and weak men. Because we have the, well, the reason why our society is this way is because we have no no uh, we uh, the the lack of strong men and the only reason why this convoy is working and that we have this is because of strong men yeah 
I'm working, funny you brought that up, I'm working on a theory that I want to start to to look at, which is weak men are more prevalent now because we're forcing them to deal with their emotions the way females should deal, deal with their emotions. And it's predicated on the fact that like our parents, the dads, used to get together with the guys, go shoot pool, play hockey. You know, they, they go do – these were the ways that they dealt with their emotions, you know, standing around a, a, an open fire talking about all their problems. That's how they dealt with their emotions. Now, a lot of people are saying, no, men need to deal with their emotions in the way that women deal with their emotions. And I'm sorry, women are more nurturing by nature. Majority of them are. They're, 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 the way they deal with things is different than the way biological men deal with things. We have more testosterone. They don't. So our, our, our ways of handling stress are going to be different. And now they're asking us to deal with our stress the way that we, sh it, it, it's just, it goes against, and, and this is just, again, this is just a theory. I'm looking into it. I'm trying to see like, who's doing the research out there to see this? Like who, who's talking about this right now? And I found a few peer, peer reviewed journals about it that I want to look into more, but that stuff will never get mainstream media attention because it's not, it goes against the narrative that's being pushed. Mm -hmm. it really is as a woman it really is sad to see the fall of strong men like even a couple of weeks ago i took i generally take my mask off uh, off the elevator in my condo building i just don't wear it i only wear it because i have to in certain areas and then i take it and i pull it down and then there was a guy i'm walking to my condo and this guy opens the door with his mask on it's a man just remember it's a man he with his mask on inside he sees me without my mask closes the door because he does not want to be in the hallway with me that's how weak men have have become of my generation i'm like yeah. you can't come into the hallway with and you have a mask and you're probably double or triple vaccinated and i have no mask and you can't come into the hallway with me that's how that's how weakling you are yeah men storm the beaches of juno um for their freedom but i guess they forgot that yeah well you know, and we can do definitely do a podcast just separate of that, but there's studies done on how low our testosterone now is in the last 50 years, the, the rapid decline in men. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, 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 I had mine checked six months ago and the Ontario, the Ontario government says this is what the, the range of testosterone a man, a man should have. And it said, I'm in with, I'm within the normal levels. And then I did the research as to what it was normal 20 years ago, and it was much higher. Interesting. And that makes me go, okay, wait a minute here. Why is there, why are we okay with the decline of testosterone? Mm -hmm. you know, that was a Joe Rogan podcast. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Joe Rogan had that on his podcast with a, with a scientist a few, I think it was last year. I forgot what her name was, but he, they, they talked about it. And if you want to know what's really interesting is that China is actually pumping testosterone in their men. Amazing. I love it. Well, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, well, they're planning on world domination. That's why. I mean, it's, that's why they know what they're doing. Whereas they're here in Canada, they're doing, in the yeah. Western world, they're trying to bring us Let's, down to make it yeah. easy. Talk about our feelings. Yeah. Let's talk about our feelings. Honestly, that's why we need the gym. It's why we need sports. It's why we need dance studios so that we can exert all this energy that we've been uh, that we've been building up. 
Um, you know, no matter what your niche is, no matter what your sport, whatever way you exert your energy, you are entitled to it. It is important to stay healthy. It is your God-given right, your body, your choice, right? And it's up to all of us to make the right choices. And it's up to the government to allow us to make those choices. Not even allow us to step aside so we can live our lives and make our choices for us. It's the government's responsibility to give us the tools and the options to make an informed decision that has no bias. Mm-hmm. And then we can make our decision based on that. The government wants to sit there and say, hey, these are the recommended vitamins to take. And then here's the science behind it. It's like, okay, great. Now I'll make a decision on whether or not I want to take them. You know, I, I think I, I think we were paying them to do something and it should be to, to obviously run the, the fabric of, of society, our infrastructure and such. But if they're going to um, if they're going to help us out, they've got to give us the opportunity to make an educated decision on our own. That's free of corporate sponsorship. That's free of, you know, how much is this medical company making versus this medical company? You know, stuff like that. Yep, I agree with that too, and that is um, that's why I think it's so important. Just small businesses, like Lucy, you want to take this one away because I don't know what to say at this point. I'm just yeah. so frustrated that we are still dealing with this two years down the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say this: as soon as it's done, it's done. I'm never speaking a word of this ever again. Agreed. I can agree. I don't. With that. I, don't I, I don't want to hear about. I, I never want to hear about it again. You know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to join your declaration like, too. I'm going to join your declaration I, I, too. Obviously, I don't have yeah, a studio to open up, but you know what? COVID is done for me. That's it. It's over. Yeah. I, I'm over it. I, I, I'm a man. You know, we talk about testosterone. We talk about being a man. Real men cry. Period. They do. They shed a tear. Real so, men admit that they do. Absolutely. Um, but we cry over stuff that shows our humanities, I want to say, in the sense, there's a video of school kids taking off their masks in Israel, because I think it was Israel, where they said they don't have to wear masks anymore. Yeah. And all the kids are sitting at their desk, and the teacher goes, you don't have to wear masks anymore. I don't have a kid, but I, I raise kids. Watching the kids tear off their masks and celebrate brought a tear to my eye. Mm-hmm. And then I said to myself, my God, if I was a parent, I would be fighting tooth and nail to get those masks off those kids. Yep. You know, to, especially now that they're saying the cloth masks don't work. They don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Now that they're finally starting to admit it. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest with you, if you had actually just 10 brain cells that worked, you would realize that it, it didn't work. Like that's just, let just keep it well. Agreed. Lucy, let me, let me uh, say something. I, I have a student that works. Um, in the government, I can't get too more specific about that. And he goes, Jason, the biggest reason why they want people to wear masks is because there's so many ignorant people out there that'll go in public coughing and sneezing and spreading germs and not keeping clean. And I said, okay, valid, granted. Then you need to say, if you are sick, wear a mask. But then all of a sudden he goes, now that puts a target on you in, in society. Instantly. He goes, you want to talk, and we said, we want to talk about well, Nazi, and all of a sudden you're wearing a mark on you to say that you're, you're, you know, unpure because you're sick. And it's like, okay, well, what's, what's the answer? And I, I don't have the answer. No one has the answer. We're all t- but the thing is, 
they're tr they're trying to def trying to make people not sick from a virus that you have literally over a 99% chance for survival rate. I tell this to everybody. If, if I told you, you're going to win $10 million in the lottery, you have a 99.87% chance of winning the lottery tomorrow, you're going to run your ass to whatever convenience store and buy yourself a lottery ticket because you know that you're going to win the lottery because you're because it, it's the because it's so high the percentage Absolutely. and and it doesn't correlate literally and then people are like oh i still that's still like i don't want to get sick if i still like i'm like let's i'm like when did it, it it's just mind-boggling but i will i want to give one update uh for because we were talking about uh the conservative party in this uh episode uh as we know uh aaron o'toole has been ousted and Candace Bergen is now the interim leader. It just has been announced literally like 15 minutes ago or something like that. Um, and Anthony is, has a has his face like going, what the heck? Uh, yes, she is now the interim leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, the CPC, uh, not Pierre Poulier, which was what everybody thought it was, but he doesn't want it. Don't know why, but he doesn't want it. And and what other other um, uh, news updates I have is that uh, there's going to pro probably going to be a convoy that even is bigger in America that's heading to the Capitol March first in America, the Washington D.C. There is a convoy in the Netherlands, and they're planning. And there's a convoy happening in uh, Brazil. There's convoys happening all around the world, and it all started with Canada. It all started with strong men uh, going, "Enough is enough. What you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is tyrannical." And we want our freedoms back, not just for us, but for this entire country from, you know, uh, BC to uh, Newfoundland. So uh, just to, I want to end on a positive note to everyone, because we've been talking about, you know, really bad stats and stuff like that. But, you know, if we rise up and we do what Martin Luther King and Gandhi do, nonviolent, you know, noncompliant protests, you know, it will work. And it looks like it is working. It's going to take a while. People don't like to take their foot off a person's neck. An oppression oppressor never likes to uh, stop oppressing because that's their jam. But uh, we just have to keep on trucking along. And to, yeah, to keep on trucking along. So to everyone who's listening, uh, thank you. Uh, for uh, for listening to this episode, I wanted to say just give a final message of hope, and also to give the floor to Jason and say how can we reach you? How could we uh, get in contact with you and follow you on social media? Uh, Mr. Jason.ca. That's the Instagram tagline. Um, that's it's just Mr. Jason.ca. I mean, you follow me, don't follow me. Just uh, you know, I, I, it's, I, I don't I don't care about followers. I don't care my my, my student base is who I, I go after. Um, but if you want to follow Mr. Jason.ca, that's the best one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always up to, to chatting and stuff like that. And I know, I know Anthony, you're, you're PPC, but, um, in my, like, like, I love all, I, I love everything about everybody. Um, it was funny, uh, Lucy, that you said, we're all surprised that Pierre didn't get the nod for that. Um, personally, I think the person in power should be the person that doesn't want to be in power. Yeah. Pierre doesn't want to be in power, but yet. And he doesn't want it, but that's the guy who who should be. And that, and anyway. I think, I think anybody that doesn't want to be in power are the people that should be in power. 
Yeah. Hey, listen, for the record, I am a PPC candidate and I agree with you 100%. I think that if there's anyone in the parliament who would voice the concerns that I have and that we all have, it would be Pierre. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen out of this, but I'm watching closely. Mm-hmm. And there is hope. You're absolutely right, Lucy. There is hope. And everybody mm-hmm. should see that hope. And yeah. everybody, everybody that's been quiet about it or scared to come out, they should rally behind that hope. Yep. It's beautiful. Hope is, uh, there's a, uh, I forgot the line in Lord of the Rings, but it said, uh, J.R. Tolkien talks about how men need hope and Aragorn if, uh, brings them hope. And then Sar- uh, Saruman fears this. He fears the hope, just the, an ounce of hope in men. And that, so to everyone, be hopeful and spread it. Let your hope be contagious. And with that, I just want to say goodbye to everyone. Our next podcast will be about the convoy because we've actually had a couple couple of our own people at the convoy. Not me, but Anthony and also an Ian uh, uh, Roden, who was also was a P- is a PPC candidate and also was on the podcast a, a few months ago. So they're going to talk about their experience at the convoy, which is what everybody wants to know about what's happening at the convoy and and the energy there. So to the R audience uh see you next week and um have hope and truck along guys thanks for having me on i appreciate it it's an honor mr jason.ca